Plundergrounds, Episode 154, Not So Rare, RPG A Day 2020. Plundergrounds, Plundergrounds, welcome back to a brand new show. Ray's gonna take you where you didn't know you wanted to go. Fantasy and dungeon delve, science fiction, watch yourselves. Warning, this one has the potential to be a real dumpster fire because I have done zero prep other than to write down the words, and my first reaction to them is that they are not inspiring. <laughs> At least not to me, but I'm sure I'll think of something as we go here, and I'm going to break them up into five and five since we have less than 14 left. Uh, I've been doing them a week at a time, and that would mean seven words, but there's 10 words left, so it makes more sense to kind of divide them evenly. The first word is rare, and um, I had two thoughts about this. One was how not rare uh, clones, retro clones, fixes, etc. to old school games has gotten to be. And I sort of cringe every time I see a new one come out. I applaud people for making the game they want to play, but it it um, you know I suspect a lot of these people haven't even played the originals to sort of know why they're fixing what they're fixing. It's just this, and it's a it's, look. I'm including myself here. It's this impulse that we all have to make things and to tinker. And uh, yeah, I just it seems like it's just gotten out of control. Um, not discouraging anybody from making stuff. I just there's just a lot out there, man. There's a lot out there. Um, and it's really hard to sift through it all. And I feel a little overwhelmed by it all. I buy a lot of stuff, at least on PDF. And you know, that's, this is more about me, I guess my problems, but uh, it's so, so hard to like get through all of it and really give each thing the attention it deserves and to, um, shout out to people who are making these cool things. So I guess we're spoiled for choice, um, uh, but it is not rare anymore to have these DIY uh, fantasy role-playing game projects coming out. It seems fairly common and other themes are starting to, to crowd up as well. You know, when you start having 20, 30 different cyberpunk systems, for instance, how do you make a choice? Where do you start? Um, that seems to me like the skill that we all need to develop now is not how to fix these games or tinker with these games, but how to select the ones that are you know, how to, for us, the best, right? For our group, the best. And if someone needs to be like a, a theory or process there, that could be really helpful. Well, uh, the other thought I had about Rare had to do with fifth edition. I just got through playing Ghosts of Saltmarsh uh, all the way through the book. It was uh, at times a great book and at times a kind of eh book. Uh, I would recommend it though. Um, one of the things I didn't love about it was in the very beginning, I don't know if this is wrong or right, honestly, uh, but in the very beginning, there's this, tiefling um head of a shop that that deals with magic items in the town and uh she has a stock of things that you roll for randomly off of the various tables and then she can get things for you in like d4 weeks depending on rarity uh and so and then there's this kind of fixed cost um for common common magic items right that seems like an oxymoron to me to begin with, but I guess they need healing potions out there to be common enough that people can just buy them. Um, so there's common magic items and then, you know, uncommon and I don't know, I guess like rare legendary, I don't know, uh, but that, you know, kind of goes up from there. And it doesn't give you every table to roll from, but it says basically she can find something on um, any of these specific tables. Um, 
in D4 weeks. And so my players essentially would go shopping there and commission things and put, I would make them put money down and wait on it. And we would do um, basically, regardless of what was happening in game time, I would tell them that the, that the D4 applied to the number of sessions. So since we were meeting once a week, I used to like real time to make them wait for it. So if it took three weeks to get, we'd, we'd uh, go three sessions before they could get it. But it just is, you know, it's not rare anymore, is it? When you can just sort of pre-order something and, I don't like this idea of magic items that are, and I, I get it in fifth edition, you sort of need them. It's, it's a, it's part of the system and you kind of have to run it the way it's written. And I did that. So don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to change it. I just don't know that I, that's one thing about the system. I don't know that I love is that you need to have these kinds of commercialized magic item. Um, you know, like there's a whole market around that, right? <laughs> I don't love that. I'd rather characters not need the magic items, but, but, when they find them, they'll be wondrous and interesting. Um, I think Dungeon World did a great job with that, which is you rarely found a magic item that had any kind of like plus one value to it. It was much more about uh, doing interesting things. And I've talked about that a lot before, so I won't get into it again. All right. The next word is edge. Um, I'll just say over the edge is a game that I've never played and I would love to play. Um, The theme of it doesn't strike me as all that interesting especially now that lost came and went and it was a terrible uh, show. It wasn't a terrible show. It started out a great show, um, ended up a mess, uh, or at least dissatisfying to me. And, um, but it, you know, I, I associate that in my head with over the edge cause the theme is very similar, but I would love to try out those mechanics at some point just so I know what the game's about, but I, I know it influenced lots of people. And, um, so edge to me, it's either talk about edginess and edge Lords or over the edge. And I'd rather talk about over the edge, all right. Um, humor. I just listened to a really humorous uh, science fiction story, by the way. One of the things that's kind of cool about 60s science fiction is that while I didn't love humor and fantasy, I actually kind of liked it in science fiction because it was often dealing with the absurd. And uh, there was a story called The Great Slow Kings. And gosh, who wrote that? It was Maybe it was Poole Anderson. I don't think that's right, though. I may look that up while we're talking here, but, uh, the great slow Kings, it was read off on a show called mind webs, which was, a um, a radio show that used to read short fiction, short science fiction. And you can find it, most of it out there on the internet archive. I've got actually more episodes than they have there. Uh, but, uh, and maybe I'll put them up at some point, but it's, uh, he would read, um, short stories from the worlds of speculative fiction. That was actually the, the kind of tagline and, oh, Criminy. Sorry, I can't look and talk at the same time. I'm scrolling through my music collection of audio. It's not music. It's all audiobooks and podcasts. Uh, okay, so The Great Slow. I don't know if I can find this by title. I know it's, it's riveting radio to listen to me look something up. All right, The Great Slow Kings. Oh, it's Roger Zelazny. Look at that. Okay, Roger Zelazny, The Great Slow Kings. And it's a, it's a, reminds me a little bit of like Robert Sheckley, who was very funny. But it's a, it's a story about these aliens, uh, two aliens um, who live, uh, y- as you realize, as you're reading through the story, they live at a very slow pace, right? And so they're having these conversations back and forth. And at one point, they send a robot out in a ship to find more subjects because they don't have as many subjects as they'd like. And they once tried to replicate a bunch of robots, but that didn't go so well for them. So they find humans, but the humans live at such a fast rate that it, it sort of doesn't match up. And I don't say more than that just because it's kind of it's kind of a fun story to read. Uh, but I enjoyed that humorousness there. 
I don't always love humor, but I do think that humor in gaming is a defense mechanism. I think there's still some of us, maybe it's not as true of younger gamers, uh, but there was a time when you know, we were very heavily judged for being gamers, that it was nerdy and weird. And so there was always this little sense that you were doing something wrong um, or, you know, not society, uh, socially acceptable. And I still think that like there's sort of performance anxiety when you're trying to work in character and all that. And one of the things that happens when you get nervous is that you can retreat to humor. And I've seen this a lot where people kind of get giggly and silly um, because they're doing, you know, it's almost like you're doing something a little naughty or something. <laughs> so I think humor comes in because of that reason, even when you don't want it to. And it's, uh, I find that most RPGs, you don't need to start with humor because humor will come about. So like settings that are already super gonzo and humor, uh, have a lot of humor in them. Don't really work that well for me because it's kind of like the players try to one up the system and it just gets ridiculous. Um, okay lever or for my UK friends lever. And I should probably say lever cause I noticed whoever did RPG a day, uh, is spelling things the British way. So, um, was it humor and favor? I both think both have a U in them in the RPG a day, uh, graphic. So I'm going to assume that it's a Brit who wrote this thing up and therefore it's probably lever, uh, lever, <laughs> lever, uh, levers seem like a very old school thing to me in dungeons. Like how many dungeons did you walk in and there were like, uh, levers and you'd pull the lever and it would, um, make a weird noise. And you'd know that some stone had rolled aside somewhere else in the dungeon, or, um, you, you had a long debate in the party about whether to pull the lever or not, you know, cause you figured that just gonna be like, somebody'd have to check for traps. Cause you think, Oh, there's gonna be a block drop on my head. If I pull that lever, or whatever, it was part of this kind of like puzzle mentality of old D and D that was both absurd and ridiculous um, and sometimes very dissatisfying, but also fun. Um, <laughs> so uh, I don't know. Is there, is there a better word for lever? I, I also think about the role-playing game Leverage, which I played at one point, which was pretty good. I think that's based on, is that based on Cortex? I don't know. Get out of that one pretty quickly. I only played one session. It was pretty fun. All right. Uh, and then the fifth word is strange. Well, I think of Dr. Strange. What else do I think about Strange? Um, wasn't there a game called Strange Sons or something like that? Well, Strange um, strange belongs in that grouping of words that uh, can be can be difficult to pin down. So it's like weird. Um, or uh, So what, what does Strange mean in RPG terms? Hmm. Yeah, I got, I have almost nothing other than to say that I don't love, um, so when people try to make their character strange, uh, that's fine. That can be very cool actually, but they need to be grounded in some kind of, like, you got to relate the new to the known. You got to relate, um, weird things to human things where they just seem like you're showing off or trying to be silly or strange, uh, strange. Um, so when you make a strange character, think about how and why that character is that way. Um, you don't have to reveal all that necessarily early on, but it, it needs to have, it needs to be underpinned by something. Otherwise it's not going to feel real. Um, and you won't have that much investment in it. Uh, I don't like gimmick characters. Like 
And I've been guilty of making them myself. And so is my son. We talk about this, and especially in like fifth edition. Sometimes you get drawn down this path. Well, really started with third edition forward. Um, any, any sort of tactically um, deep game, you can get drawn into this path of making a character that's about what the character can do mechanically or what the character has equipment wise. Right. And, um, that's not really a character. I remember one time that I made in third edition, I made a character who had a, um, who worked with, uh, I think it was a chain weapon. Right. And his whole thing was to like trip people. And so, you know, I got really good at tripping people. I remember there was a, uh, uh, one of my players one time or no, a player in a group that I was playing in. So fellow player, um, made a null who was really good at breaking sundering weapons. Right. And, uh, that was his one trick. Right. And he was so good at it that like, you know, he would just sort of like single out the guy who had the best weapon or, or whatever and disarm him or break it. Um, and I would do the same thing where I was kind of like tripping people with my chain to, to, um, to, to give advantages to the rest of my party, but man, that's just not interesting. And I remember my character died. I kind of did a death wish thing, right? Like where I was kind of pushing it and my character died and the GM tried to like help me out. And I'm like, don't help me, please let him die. (laughs) I need to make another character. (laughs) He looked at me funny and I'm like, yeah, I'm totally done with this guy. Uh, please don't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My sacrifice should mean something here. And so you know, strange for strange sake, not cool. Um, and I think Troika, which is a game that I love a lot, actually just on some levels in terms, in terms of the mechanics, sometimes to be, sometimes tries to be strange just to be strange. And I, that part of it, I don't love, you know, it just feels silly to me. And I, 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 um, it breaks some kind of like, I want to know why there's strangeness in the world and just, it just breaks some kind of, um, I don't want to use the word verisimilitude, but it, it, it just, it, it all of a sudden makes me very conscious of the fact that it's a game and not a fictional world. And, uh, I guess if I was in some kind of Alice in Wonderland fictional world, I, I can, I could accept it more, but well, there you go. I had a lot more to say about strange than I thought I did. And there's the five words for this week. I hope that, uh, worked for you all. I don't think it was particularly brilliant, so uh, I'll try harder on my next episode maybe to, to draw some interesting things out of those. But uh, yeah, it's it's fun to just, sometimes it's fun just to riff off of things off the top of your head and uh, hope you enjoyed the conversation. I hope it was a conversation, something where your, your head is also responding with different thoughts. Uh, and if you have those thoughts, feel free to call them in. I've got a voicemail, uh, a voice message link in the show notes that you should just be able to hit that and record directly from your phone. You get 60 seconds. If that's not enough, you can chain a couple 60 second messages together and uh, look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening to another Plundergrounds. I'm Ray Otis signing off. My opening theme music was written and performed by Logan Howard. And until next time, look out for those rest monsters.